Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode today. I'm very excited today because this is the first time that I am actually going to be talking with someone else. It's not just me boring you to tears today. So I'm very happy to have Christy on the show today. She's a healthcare professional with over a decade of experience. She worked um, primarily as a nurse in the medical field for eight years and then worked in other healthcare sectors. She's passionate about helping to reduce burnout in an industry prone to it, especially now with COVID. <laughs> I think I know. Burnout. <laughs> yeah. Um, she's empowering a holistic approach to health and well-being, and she does this through self-care practices defined by the individual. And she has an upcoming book, The 30-Day Self-Care Solution for Nurses, Reduce Burnout and Build Stronger Boundaries in Relationships. That sounds pretty awesome. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, thanks for having for, me. Yeah, thanks for joining me. And you're in the future. You're a day in the future. Yeah, yeah. I um, It's funny, last year when I um, started my podcast, I had a few um, people from the States on and I had this one gentleman say to me, hello, Christy from the future. And I was like, oh, that's really cool because <laughs> it that kind is. of is, right? Yeah, that is. I used to live yeah. in Australia and I left Christmas Day and came back to Canada Christmas Eve. And my kids are still like trying to wrap their head. How is that possible? Like, yeah. I know. It is. Um, even my my daughter, I try to explain things like that. And she's just like, <laughs> and I'm like, uh, I don't know. Wait till you're older. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, thanks for joining me. I mean, the biggest thing I focus a lot on the anxiety piece and anxiety and burnout, they sort of go hand in hand. And it sounds like you have a bit of your own journey. So maybe share a little bit about your own journey, managing anxiety and burnout. Yeah, well, um, obviously anxiety is a, is a stress response. You know, it's, um, it's a fight or flight sort of response and um my journey with it it's I've probably had it since I was a kid I grew up in a bit of a dysfunctional family um and then you know head on into nursing (laughs) and um fight or flight is literally your your um constant state you know because especially within the type of uh, I was I worked in the medical field so you know we dealt with uh, pretty much everything um palliative care emergencies uh you name it you know we dealt with it and um especially with dementia and um like with dementia um we would always get the patients um when they're at their worst you know because Mm. of infection or and they and and a lot of people um with dementia often dependent on the type um can get quite aggressive and um you know so we're you're always sort of like don't hurt me (laughs) you know like so yeah, obviously, I mean, I I had to learn how to manage my anxiety um, and the fight or flight stuff in a, in a much healthier way because I was using um, alcohol and you know un- unhealthy coping me- mechanisms back then um, to manage the stress because I was like, oh my god, I don't know what to do. How am I going to get out of this? You know, like this is I love nursing but I can't be like this all the time. So um, I, I started sort of looking into other methods. Like I had my own therapist um, and, and then I was like, oh, I just wanted more. You know, I wanted, to, I wanted to find out other avenues to help manage the stress, which then headed me into um, learning Reiki and meditation and um, 
obviously exercise and eating right and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, um, I, I've got to say, though, anxiety isn't so much a constant state for me anymore. It's it's kind of like you, you need it to get out of bed and things like that, but I'm not in that fight or flight state anymore because of the healthier practices I have in, in place. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's always good. And I mean, anxiety, we can never get rid of it. And I think that that's a problem when we try to eliminate it, because then that just sets up, sets us up for feeling hopeless and helpless, because it's always going to be a part of our life. It's just how we manage it. Something interesting you said, I know, for myself, you know, I was always anxious. And my parents took me to see a therapist. And I was told, you know, this is just who you are. You're going to have to be anxious for the rest of your life. You're always just going to have to live with this. Right. And your point about, you know, I wanted more, I saw a therapist and I wanted more. I'd love to dive into that a little bit because I do find, well, a lot of my training is with other professionals because they fall into these traps that make the anxiety worse or make the clients feel like I did, you know, just Mm. like, am I helpless and hopeless and like this for the rest of my life? What did you find in that experience, you know, anything that was helpful or was really not helpful? Yeah, well, so I, it took me um, probably three or four therapists um, till wow. I found a really good one. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, and the, the one that I did find, and I never gave up because I was like, I don't want to live in this state forever. You know, life is worth living. And especially after dealing with palliative care patients, you sort of start to see life in a, from a very different perspective. So I was just like, okay. So my therapist, um, she was amazing. She got me into hypnotherapy and, um, and you know, it's obviously there's a lot of questioning and um, reflecting and trying to dig down to the root cause of where it all started. Um, but I guess maybe it's because I am a, an, a lifelong learner and I'm a nurse, I'm a healthcare professional. I'm like, there's just got to be... It, there's got to be more than just the medical model of of, of healing, you know. And, um, and I just thought there are other things out there, like holistic methods of um, of of managing your stress and stuff like that. And I thought, you know, just taking an anti anxiety medication, which I don't take now, but I used to, um, and having a therapist. And I just think that everybody should have a therapist, like they have a doctor. You know, mm-hmm. it's people that who um, have a bipartisan sort of, they just give you their uh, professional advice or whatever. But I think when it comes down to holistic uh, other opportunities of uh, managing, I think it's really quite healthy to do that. I think just putting all of your eggs in one basket is is almost limiting yourself, I believe. Would you yeah. agree? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think having just multiple different I mean the perspective piece and different ideas and I mean it's great if people can actually collaborate together just to talk about and I mean when it comes to the medication piece you're right I think there's so much more than the medical model I was just consulting with another professional who's working with a kiddo who's super anxious right now and she's kind of caught just in the accommodation trap like I'm trying to make her feel better and you know that's something I'm like no we got to get out of that trap but um the pediatrician for this kiddo so she is trying to collaborate with the pediatrician, but the pediatrician is really pushing the medication, but that's also reinforcing the anxiety story that I can't handle it. Therefore, I need to take medications to be able to. And I know that that's a huge trap. It becomes a safety behavior and, and it's just reinforcing that belief that I can't handle it. And so having 
multiple people on your team can be helpful to show a that's not the only way there's lots of different ways we just got to find your way that's going Mm -hmm. to help you move forward to feel successful that you you can handle all of this so yeah Yeah. I definitely agree I agree and I I do think that we tend to or the system tends to over medicate anxious kids like my daughter initially um you know when she was younger she She's nine now, but for a period of a year and a half, we did have her medicated for anxiety and stuff. And at the time I was like, oh, and it did help her for a little bit. But, you know, for myself, even when I was um, medicated for it, I was thinking, you know, there's got to be a, this is just band-aiding what's going on, you know. And um, so I ended up figuring out that my anxiety was making her anxiety worse. And then when I self-reflected and did and and got back into all of my self-care methods, her anxiety lessened. And I was just like, why have I never been taught this before? Yeah. Well, that's a great segue because I was going to bring this whole learning experience and anxiety into the whole parenting realm because that's, you know, a big part of what I focus on. And oftentimes I say, I don't even need to see your kiddos. I'm actually thinking of just developing a program where our parents have to see me first for at least four sessions or be part of a group before I even see their kids just to learn how to respond effectively. So from your experience, like what did you notice that your anxiety was affecting your daughter's anxiety? Yeah, I guess um, I'm a very, you know, I'm very reflective and and I sort of, I, and, and when, once I'd started getting into the holistic other, like looking into other methods and inquiry and stuff, I sort of would stop myself when I was feeling anxious, I would go, hang on, is this my, is this me or is this somebody else's or, and I would sort of stop and I wouldn't go into the, 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 the reactive mode. I would just sort of stop. And then I would be like, you know, what's happening around me, what's happening within me. And then, um, yeah. And I would notice like with her behavior, I sort of, that's how I would do it. Sorry, that's that was a bit of a roundabout way of saying it. But when she was um, having anxiety around school, I, I would stop and I'd be like, hang on, is this me or her? And I realised that my anxiety around her going to school was was creating uh, anxiety for her to go to school because I, I, I don't know, it's that whole detachment from your child, right? It's like somebody else is going to look after her and I, can they look after her the way that I can and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And right. when I when I started going, Christy, she's okay, she's safe, it's okay, it was almost like reparenting myself um, and then she started to calm down and, yeah, I just, whenever she was um, having like a meltdown or like she was overstimulated or something, I would calm myself down and then allow her to come to me. I remember one time, oh, my gosh, um, she was just, she'd been at school all day and she was just in meltdown mode. And I was like, she doesn't need you to react or try to fix this. She needs you to, you to be calm. So what I did was I sat down, I let her have her meltdown. And then it was, it was, it was the coolest thing. I just sat there. And then she just came to me and she hugged me so hard and she just cried and then she, and then she just relaxed. Mm-hmm. And I just think 
kids, that's what they need from us. They don't need us to try and fix it. You know, oh, they need us to just relax, to be calm and to be the safe space to allow them to have those, you know, meltdowns or whatever you call it. It's just, you know, we live in such a fast-paced life. I think parental mindfulness is so important for children, especially in the first 10 years of their life because that's when their brain is developing. Um, It's what they need to feel safe, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's a huge piece. I mean, a lot of it is the effective communication and like the number one killer of communication that parents could do is talking. And that's usually what I teach them, right? It, it's just, I'll, I'll go through communication traps, but pretty much anything that we say or do to try to make our kids feel better actually makes that anxiety worse. And it's almost punishing for their brain, you know, even when we're trying to fix them, we're well-intentioned, but that's just one of those things that not only is it not helpful for them in the moment, we're actually robbing them of the opportunity to process those emotions and, you know, problem solve for themselves. So in creating that space, I actually was just observing one of my students the other day who was in with a mom and her daughter and the mom like was beautiful, just her body language, her way of being with her daughter was lovely. And she was really trying to reflect, but underlying all of that was this agenda. And, and she was trying to, you know, lead her daughter to problem solve for herself. So she was doing all the things that looked right, Mm -hmm. but I jumped in and I just said, you know, I feel like this girl just needs her mom to commiserate with her just to be like, wow, your friends are being total jerks right now. That's it. Not to say, well, what could you do? And what should you do? And you know, what about this? And it's just like, wow, your friends are being jerks. And as soon Mm -hmm. as I said that it was like, the mom was like, oh my gosh, I don't need to say anything. I'm like, no, you don't. And the daughter just started bawling and she's like, yeah, I just need that. Mm -hmm. So I think your example highlights that need for space. I think we work way harder than we need to. (laughs) Oh, a hundred percent. I think, and I say to my daughter constantly, I'm like, you know, I'm not always going to be the best, you know, the best mom. I said, you know, we don't get given these scripts for parenthood. Um, And I I actually say to her sometimes, I'm like, you were given to me with no instructions. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, yeah. and I and, and then when I started to, I call it conscious parenting. Um, I that's the way I choose to look at it is is being aware of my own inner stuff, so that and and that not trying to problem solve everything for her, you know, or even, yeah, it's just being there and listening. And she and as a result, our relationship is just, you know, she we we her father and I aren't together anymore, and. You know, her father is quite an anxious parent and she's starting to realise the difference between the two families, I mean, between the two houses. And and it's a little frustrating for her, but I'm, I'm sort of using it as a teaching tool and saying, you know, this is a great opportunity for you to learn how different people interact in the world, you know. And, um, but, yeah, it's just holding the space. It's just holding the space, just being there. <laughs> Turn the TV off, put your phone down. That's huge. Yeah, Yeah. right. Just those little things, yeah. 
So you've talked about how you can just stop and sort of turn inwards and recognize what's going on for you and your daughter. I mean, that's huge. Just being able to know in the moment, you know, that to be able to stop. So how I, I call that the pause. Right. Because I think there's a split second where we become really reactive or we get sucked in with anxiety or we respond in really unhelpful ways in the minute we are triggered. So how did you create that space between the trigger and your reactivity to be able to change your response in the first place? Um, so I'm a, we're a really low tech family, so we don't really have a lot of technology because I've, I've realized myself that if I've got too much stuff going on, like TV, music, blah, 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 whatever, um, then I can't uh, process things as quickly as I want to. So it um, doesn't mean that I don't like if the TV's on, I can't still can't do it, but I've, I've, I've realized that I need to have, you know, low sort of excess noise and stuff so that I can think and teach it's like I'm reparenting and reteaching myself to not go into reactive fix it mode you know because I'm a nurse too right so you know you, it's really hard to sort of stop that I want to fix it I want to make it better so I've sort of been learning to just every time there's a heightened emotion within her or even myself I've I've recognized okay it's getting to a point where you need to stop and just allow it to do its thing and then you know and then talk about it or just have a hug or um you know have a drink of water or something you know it's sort of so yeah it's been a reprogramming process for me but um it's more about being self-aware and recognizing when there is like something bubbling and just going stop and, I, and I've started to say that to her too, not, not as a way to, I do it for myself. So if, say, if we're in the car and we're driving and something sort of will trigger me, rather than me being overreactive, I stop <laughs> and, and, she'll, and she'll say to me, mum, talk to me. And I'm like, no, I'm just, just give me a second and then I'll respond to you. But you just have to be patient and wait, okay? And then usually I'll, I'll pull the car over and then we'll talk about it, like whatever that particular heightened emotion is. And then she'll be like, okay. I'm like, do you need a hug? <laughs> yeah. yeah. What do you need? It can be so tricky. I know. I mean, we, one of the things that I did with my girls is we would have a code word. So when we could see it, because we can usually see it in each other before we can recognize it in ourselves. Yep. And I think that really helped too, for my girls to feel like something wasn't wrong with them. Like mommy needs to work on her amygdala and her emotional response too. So, you know, yeah. it was puppy and my girls were always like puppy, but I love that you brought up the, the, the screen time. Well, yeah. Cause when they say puppy, then I'm like, oh yeah. Okay. Right going to use yeah. that so yes. the, the, a code word okay yeah that's so really can, great I'm gonna we can recognize it in each other too right and and it does like the minute my little one is going puppy I'm like oh my gosh I yes she's right I am because I think we get stuck in autopilot sometimes we're not even aware and screens I'm glad that you brought that up because we do that sucks us in oh my gosh have you seen wordle yet have you been introduced to wordle no. <laughs> okay. Maybe don't. It's so addicting. Okay. Um, I just got introduced to it a few days ago and I was playing it yesterday. It's a word of the day game. And my daughter's like, I hate Wordle because I become this 
different person. She's like, if I come to you and you're playing Wordle in the moment, you get so snappy and I don't even look up. Like I'm just so into, cause my goal is to try to figure it out in two turns. You've got six chances to figure out what the word of the day is with this five letter okay. word. And so my goal is to do it into two, two turns. Right. So I'm very intense. Um, but she's like, I hate it. And, and that's kind of what screens do. It, it, it puts us into that autopilot mode. And so we don't even realize our emotional mm. state. We just react and it becomes so habitual and so quickly because screens are so re re reinforcing to our brain that, that it's really hard to kind of be mindful and be in the present moment, which is so important for us to be able to take that step back and be like, okay, I'm feeling grumpy right now, or I'm being, I'm really irritable or whatever's going on for us. So yeah, I think that's a huge piece we need to reflect on. Oh, uh, it's, and you know, I was talking to a girlfriend about this the other day. Um, Ava go, my daughter's name's Ava. She goes to a school that is, um, it's a Rudolph Steiner school and they're all about, you know, the human development, the, the human brain within the first 10 years of a child's life and and how, you know, giving them a, a piece of technology is really not great for their brains. You know, it sort of creates, yeah, because you need to have boundaries around it. So it doesn't mean that we, we, we don't have access to it. We do. We've just got boundaries around it. And I just think um, if we can set healthy boundaries around the technology, it doesn't mean that it's it, that you completely disregard it. It's, it's, you know, it's there, but it's like setting a healthy boundary. So that's what we do. Um, during the week, there's we don't do any technology in the mornings before school, um, and we sit and we just talk to each other and you know whatever, get ready for breakfast and etc. Um, but there's so many studies out there, like the the suicide rates for for teenagers has risen from 2007 to some exponential rate. Um, oof. You and 2007 being when smartphones were introduced. That's exactly, yeah. yeah, exactly right. So I just think, and obviously I think for our parenting generation, we weren't prepared for it. So, in, and yeah, so, but I think if, if we can put healthy boundaries around it, like not disregard it because we do need it, um, um, I think it's just so important and yeah, it, it creates, it's just another form of addiction, right? It is. Yeah, it really is. And and we, we know this for ourselves and our kids, right? And I mean, this is a whole other probably series of podcasts just around what that the screens do to our mental health and just family relationships and social relationships, but it certainly does contribute quite significantly to anxiety and even FOMO, fear of missing out. Right? Oh. Like, oh my gosh, Susie is with Beth. Why didn't they invite me? And they just become so preoccupied and it really perpetuates all of that stress. So creating some of those mm -hmm. boundaries are, are great. Mm -hmm. now, now, how did you do that? Um, that was hard because I grew up in a very, um, yeah, the way I was brought up, it was is completely different to the way that I parent her. So I found it really hard to say no to her. <laughs> She's an only child too. But and and I had to do it in a way because she would just obviously like she's a child. And I'm like, and I would use the pause, I'd practice the pause. I'm like, she this she really wants this right now because she feels like that she's missing out on something. But she's really not. And it, 
And I just, I just said no. And I just kept saying no. And we don't say no to our kids very much. I feel like because we maybe because I think if we don't say no to our children's, it can create a sense of entitlement and, um, I don't know, whatever it is, but I just, I, I said no. And and she said, oh, all you do is say no. And I'm like, this is creating a healthy boundary. I do say yes to many other things, but if I don't say no to you, then you're not going to understand, you know, this is, the, I'm the parent and these are the boundaries. When you're 18, you can do whatever you like. <laughs> yeah. yeah, which is so important. I mean, no is going to automatically trigger that emotional brain right away. It becomes very defensive, but we have to have those boundaries. You're right. And, and especially around those non-negotiables. And for me, screen is definitely a non-negotiable. Um, so just being mindful of time here, I guess, because I think we could go in about 10 different directions here, yeah. but just bring it back down to the anxiety and parenting, any specific tips that you would talk to parents about just around managing their own anxiety or helping their kiddos with their anxiety? Yeah, I would say, um, no one's perfect and we're not going to get it right all the time. Um, practice the pause, definitely practice the pause. And, and and understand that if we are mindful with our own behaviors and understanding our own stress levels, um, then it will also then give our kids the space to regulate their own stress levels. We're not going to get rid of anxiety. It's we need it as a, as a gentle state to keep us going, you know, getting out of bed, etc. But yeah, um, practicing the pause. Um, mindful parenting is the best mm-hmm. it's the best and I it's not it's not woo woo it's not out there it's just it's you know it, it's actually backed by science and all of you know there's heaps of studies out there that mindful parenting helps create safety and space which will then reduce anxiety for kids right. so and in the anxiety world we are effective co-regulators when we're being mindful yeah yeah that's great. Yeah, yeah. Lovely. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm sure uh, everyone's going to find it very helpful. You gave lots of great tips and just giving us pause, not even just our own emotions, but even thinking about like screen time, for example, and thinking about how can we set up the environment for us to all be successful as well. Yep. Screen time, definitely really regulate that and boundaries around that. So yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me on. I've really enjoyed it.